Hello and welcome to All About Smartphones, brought to you by Airs LA, the audio internet reading service of Los Angeles. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta. And I am Julian Vargas. And today we're going to bring to you some very helpful information for those of you who are using the cell phone. Julian will talk about his favorite applications for the iPhone. Now, these particular podcasts that are being produced by Airs LA are all done by volunteers, and we would appreciate any type of donation that you can make to Airs LA so that we can continue to bring you these particular products. But Julian, I know that over the years, I have never met anybody who has more cell phones or more applications than you, so I want to know... What are your favorite applications at this time? Wow. Well, (laughs) you know, I always say, uh, people probably get tired of hearing me say this, that if you think of a smartphone as just a phone, you're really missing out on the true potential of what you have in your hand. These devices really are today's personal computers that also make and receive phone calls. So for me, I use this thing for all kinds of tasks in my daily life, from travel to the communication, keeping in touch with the friends, family, clients, etc. So there's a lot of stuff that I do with this phone, or device, I should say. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so maybe what I'll do is try to sort of put them into categories of things that I do regularly. That would be great. And then because... give you some of the apps that I use on a regular basis. Yes, that would be so helpful because so many of our patients with low vision, they just buy a phone and then they say, well, which app should I get? And they're sort of overwhelmed after they see how many they are. So, well, let's hear what you feel about some of your favorite applications. Well, let's start with travel. That's always a fun category. We all love to travel when we can. So uh, living here in L.A., I'm out and about every day going to this place or that place. And there are some apps that I use quite frequently that I don't know how I'd get along without. Um, one app that I really like a lot, and there there are very various types of them now. So you're you know, and it's in your region, you may have a different one than the one that I use. But I like any of these apps that tap into what's called the Next Trip system, and this is if you use public transportation. Uh, here it's called Next Bus. In your area, there may be a specific Nextbus app for your transit system. So it really pays to search in the App Store because the one for your transit system may give you uh, better information, more tailored to your environment. But the ability to see when a bus is going to come, not necessarily based on a something written on a piece of paper on a schedule, but rather based on the bus's actual location, because they all have GPS in them. Oh, okay. Is incredibly helpful, especially if you need to make a last-minute on-the-fly change to your travel plans or you want to try a different route, that kind of thing. Uh, Apps like that are a must-have, absolutely. So uh, that's how you find out when the next vehicle is coming to uh, get you. And now you need to figure out how you're going to get there or how to navigate the system that you're on. And this is where GPS apps come in. And there are two basic types of GPS, as I see it. There is the traditional guided GPS, the one that we're all familiar with, that says, you know, go to this street and turn right in 500 feet, that kind of thing. That's your guided GPS. 
And then there's orientational GPS. And for sighted people, orientational GPS is looking at their screen because it shows them on a map, and a little dot represents where they are on that map, and they can kind of at a glance see what streets they're near, what's around them, what freeways, etc. For blind people, uh, we can't do that. So we need apps that provide that information to us in text or a spoken form. So there's two apps that I use quite a lot for this kind of thing. The the one that I think uh, is a little uh, better in some ways because it's uh, it's more affordable to people is one called Blind Square. And Blind Square, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, costs about $29, $30 in the App Store. But what it does is it will announce to you the kinds of things you can in the interface of the app tell it what kind of things you want it to announce automatically even when you have your phone screen locked which you want to do because that saves your battery so uh, mine for example I have it set to only call streets and my places so streets uh, is pretty obvious it's what street I'm on and uh, what intersections I'm coming up to direction of travel those kinds of things uh, my places are Place things that are on a map, on a virtual map, I've dropped a, a breadcrumb, if you will, or a little dot in front of a place that I want to be, I want to keep track of, because maybe I travel to and from there, and I want to be able to find it easily, by way of a what's known as a getting warmer type of guidance, where it tells you this place is so many feet, you know, to the right at 11 o'clock or that kind of thing. Uh, and actually, no, it should be, it should be to the right at uh, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the yes. opposite directions there, but you get the point. Um, and with this app, when you drop one of these virtual breadcrumbs, you can also have it automatically alert you with, when you get within so many feet of it. So um, it, you don't have to have the thing chattering at you all the time. You're so, you're, you know, you're, you're a mile and a half away at 2 o'clock. That's kind of a little useless, but maybe once you're within the vicinity of the place you're looking for, it helps to uh, to have this tell you. So you can you can set a perimeter, uh, typically 20 feet or so. I think is what I usually set when I make these breadcrumbs. So when I get within 20 feet, the phone plays a little chime and automatically announces to me that uh, I'm near that place. And of course, when I get right. Uh, within maybe five feet of it, it plays a different chime and lets me know I'm there. That is great. Does that also work at a mall? For example, if I go to a mall that is three stories and I'm looking for a specific store, does it recognize if I'm on the correct level? No, uh, because it's using, at this point, what it's using is, is are the satellites up in the sky. And the satellites up in the sky don't do a very good job uh, indoors, especially in malls, because there's a lot of concrete and steel and electronic uh, noise all through the air. It really wreaks havoc on GPS. So I don't think GPS is very reliable in indoor buildings or mall-type situations. However, BlindSquare also supports something called iBeacons, which is something Apple launched a couple of years ago without a whole lot of fanfare. But these are beacons that can be set up in different places, and when you get within a certain radius of them, they can trigger announcements on your phone. Uh, they have them in the Apple Store, for example. And if you've uh, if you've got the Apple uh, Apple Store app, you can actually uh, be notified when you're in the store and you're near certain things, certain parts of the store. 
Oh, really? Uh-huh. And there's, there's a lot of work being done now to start mapping indoors. Google's doing a lot of work on this. I think other entities are as well. So I think when then maybe the next few years, we may see a solution that'll do what you're asking about. But this kind of thing works best when it's on street level and it's outdoors. So while it may not work in an indoor mall, it works great in like one of those outdoor strip malls. Yeah, yeah. You know, because sometimes if you're very low vision, you could be in a strip mall and and there's eight or ten stores right there. And you you may not know exactly which one is uh, the fast food place you're trying to find, right? Exactly. It also works great at college campuses. You can drop breadcrumbs in front of certain buildings that you want to be alerted to. It works great in mobile home parks. I have a client right now that lives in one of those and i use it to easily locate his place so it's a it's a really neat feature so that's that's blind square if you want something a little more comprehensive that combines both the guided and orientational gps functions the app i currently uh, like for that and recommend a lot is called seeing eye gps it's made by sendero group and there's two versions of the app if you just get Seeing Eye GPS, that one you can subscribe to it. They have a that gives you a 30-day free trial, which is really nice. Where before they didn't, so now you can actually take it for a spin, and before you plunk down some money on it, you can actually determine whether it's going to work for you or not. Um, and then if you want, you can subscribe either by the month or by the year to it. Then they make one called Seeing Eye GPS XT which is a one-time purchase of $300. So if you know you use this thing a lot and you really love it, uh, you might want to look at that app. This is also a great option if you're a a vocational rehab counselor, for example, and you don't want to get involved in subscription-type things with your clients, but you want to provide them this solution. Uh, This is one way that you can do it, a one-time payment, and it's theirs for life. So Now, I want to ask you about that. How often do you use this particular application? Seeing Eye? Yes. I use it mostly when I'm traveling to areas that I'm not familiar with. And especially if I'm being driven by someone who may not know their way too well, it comes in really handy to be able to, to turn this on. What I like about Seeing Eye is that it's a very simplified interface. It's And it's designed for both uh, low vision as well as totally blind users. So you can change the contrast and change things like that on the on the uh, way that the appearance of the app is. And, the, the, you know, it's got tabs on the bottom. It's very nicely laid out. And what I like is that when you do a search for uh, what's known as a POI, which stands for Point of Interest, uh, once you find that particular place and you double tap on it, all of a sudden you're given some choices. And right there you can choose whether you want a pedestrian route, a vehicle route, or oh. a getting warmer type route. Remember I made reference to getting warmer earlier when we were talking about dropping breadcrumbs. Yes. So getting warmer is where it tells you you're within so many feet at whatever o'clock or, or a certain direction. What Seeing Eye does that's really neat is that even if you choose a pedestrian or a, a vehicle route, once you get within 50 feet of the place that you're looking for, it automatically switches to this getting warmer route. So you don't actually have to take the phone out of your pocket and and switch to a different type of mode. It It's automatically done for you. And again, in, in outdoor shopping centers where uh, 
they may all have one particular address, but a lot of stores in that shopping center, uh, it comes in handy to have, especially if you use the Foursquare database. And the Foursquare database, it goes along with an app that was known as Foursquare, now called Swarm. And this is where people and businesses sort of put themselves on the map. Anybody can create a Foursquare point of interest. And typically when somebody creates one of those, they're either right inside the business or right in front of the business. So in an outdoor shopping center, if you're looking for Starbucks, if you use a traditional GPS solution that uses one of the uh, Navtech type maps or something like that, uh, that corresponds to an address. And the way they calculate addresses, they think a certain part of the sidewalk corresponds to that number. Well, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good when you're in one of these outdoor strip mall type centers that all share the same address. That's right. But using a four-square point uh, for Starbucks, again, somebody either was right inside there or right in front of when they created it. And now the GPS is going to guide you much closer to the door. You know, GPS never, you can never expect it to get you to the door, but it gets you close enough that when you then use your mobility skills or ask for a little help, uh, you can typically find them. So, Julian, is that particular four-square uh, swarm methodology, is that in the, the Sendero GPS? It's What it is is they can tap into the four-square database. Okay. They've worked out an arrangement, I guess, where four-square allows them to tap into their uh, crowdsourced database. So when you do, if you set that as your uh, point of reference, uh, a point of interest uh, lookup reference, then every time you do a search, it's going to look there. The one drawback to Foursquare is, of course, because it's crowdsourced and anybody could create it. Sometimes there's a lot of junk that appears in there. You know, okay. so and so's bedroom or so and so's pool. Those those kinds of things might appear there. But again, if you're doing a targeted search for something like Starbucks, you're not going to have too much problems with that. And it presents them to you in a list. Uh, the the one at the top of the list is the closest one to you, and then as you go down the list, it, it gives you further and further locations. If a person uh, was really interested in having the GPS programs, and they say, "Yeah, I want to get next bus, so I I know how much time I really have to wait for this bus," and then they decide that they do get the Sendero for three hundred dollars, uh, does that person actually need to buy the second? application was it blind oh the first one blind square blind square um probably not because they get some of that functionality that they get in blind square they'll get it in the sendero app and also the sendero app lets you uh drop those virtual breadcrumbs you can create your points your own points in there now and it um it also uh, what was i going to say it uh it 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 does have a lot of that. Oh, it also supports I, the beacon thing as well. So again, once that becomes more uh, pop, uh, more widely deployed, uh, you'll be able to uh, have Seeing Eye guide you uh, via the beacons indoors. The beacon yes. is really for indoor things. Yeah. Oh, great. So great. that's GPS. Now I want to mention one cool thing, <laughs> and uh, anybody who's familiar with Android or uh, the APH GPS uh, app that. Uh, is very popular there, Nearby Explorer. That is also coming to iOS in the near future. Uh, APH is currently testing it on iOS. I'm actually one of the beta testers. And that is, uh, when that gets fully developed, that's going to be quite an app. 
Well, we're going to have to hear more about that when that's available. Um, that And that is by APH, American Printing House. And so do you feel that that particular app has many other features that the Sendero GPS app does not have? It's not so much that it has features that the Sendero app doesn't have. They, they, they both do the same thing. But it's it's the way that it's the the layout, the implementation. I, it's just a little different. And I really like how uh, it works on Android. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the fully developed version on iOS. And again, I think it's good to have choices. So some people... Uh, I'll say this much. It's not as simplified of an interface as seeing eye. So this, I would say, at least as I understand, as I use it, my opinion is that this is for a little bit more of an advanced user, the nearby explorer. But it's good to have options. Okay, great. Well, what about other categories uh, aside from GPS and travel? What are other applications that you feel are a must? Um, the next uh, big uh, item on the list is what I would say OCR and object recognition. Uh, this is something that's uh, especially important to those who don't have any usable vision, or you know, or, or, or have a little, you know, if you're low vision blind, uh, sometimes you you want to know what something is, and these apps, or you want to know what something says, and these yes. apps come in quite handy. So, uh, for object recognition, there's uh, some apps out there. One that's uh, very well known is Tap Tap C. And what's cool about TapTapSee is you, you take a picture with this app, um, and you don't do it by using, you don't open the, the iPhone's camera app, you actually open up the TapTapSee app and hit the, uh, the photo button, and you take a picture. And then what it does is it sends that picture to uh, a processing center, and they use both artificial intelligence as well as human uh, eyes looking at what you're sending to then send back what it sees in that picture to try to identify what the item is or what the object is. So that's a good app for that. Uh, if you like a little bit more interaction, because sometimes uh, the one drawback to apps like TapTapSee is that maybe you take a picture and they'll tell you it's a carton of milk. But maybe you want to know what's the expiration date on this milk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more important maybe. Yeah, so because you can't talk to whoever or whatever is looking at that picture it kind of uh, kind of leaves you at the mercy that they're they're you're going to hope that they will zero in on the detail that you're wanting to know so there's an app called um be my eyes and i think we've talked about it before in a, another podcast but yes this app is really awesome because it creates a video connection between you and a volunteer and the volunteer can be anywhere in the world there's people from all over the world that sign up to uh, help blind people through this app. So it's a free app for everybody, whether you're uh, a blind user or a volunteer. When you first launch it, it's going to ask you, what's your role? And you're either somebody who's sighted that wants to help the blind or you're a blind person who needs help. Uh-huh. And you create an account. All you do is give them your email address and you create a password. And I can tell you that having used this app for over a year now, they've never sent me unsolicited emails or anything like that. So I think it's okay to trust them with your email address. And once you do that, uh, they give you a disclaimer of the things that you cannot send in that app. 
including inappropriate pictures, things like that. But <laughs> yes. They also tell you, uh-huh. and this is very important, uh, don't send sensitive information like credit cards or, or things that contain uh, personal information about you that could be potentially used for identity theft. Yes. General rule of thumb is, if you wouldn't show it to a stranger down the street, if you asked somebody on the street for help, then you shouldn't show it to Be My Eyes or any of these types of remote assistance apps. Yes. But what's neat is because you make a video connection with the volunteer, you can talk to them. And they see, they're looking through the back, the camera on the back of the phone. So they don't even see you unless you want to turn the camera and show them you. So they don't see you. They see what the cam- what, what's uh-huh. in the field of view of that camera. And you can point it to something and ask them. Uh, an area that I've used it quite successfully is solving those annoying captures on computer screens when you're trying to sign up for something. Oh, yes. And they send you those jumbled letter things. Yes. Because they want yes. to make sure you're not a robot. So um, I've used it. And the person on the other end just simply says, okay, get closer to the screen. Okay, now move a little to the right. Okay, now move a little bit down. Oh, wait, now slightly left. Oh, wait, okay, there it is. And then they read it to me. Wow. Hey, Julian, how long does it usually take for you to connect to a person? In other words, do you have to wait three to five minutes until a person comes on? You shouldn't have to wait that long. Um, I know in the early days of the app, it used to be that sometimes you'd get put on hold forever. And then you'd see the thing on, on the front of the screen that says that there's so many sighted people locked on at the moment. You think, well, why isn't one of them answering me? Yeah. So one thing to do with that app is I always say if you've waited for over a minute and you didn't get connected to someone, uh, end the session and then retry. And oftentimes the second time uh, you'll get somebody faster. And what's the cost to become a member of Be My Eyes? It's all free. Great. Totally free. So it's it's there to use whatever you want. Um, like I said, the, the, the volunteers who sign up for this are located all over the world and – Unless they forget to turn off the app, uh, they, uh, they're they on call. Uh-oh. And generally speaking, you're not bothering them because they've put themselves available to do this in their spare time. Wow. Yeah, I could see how those two would really help you to identify objects really, really well. Right. And a lot of people also will use Skype and FaceTime and even Facebook Messenger now to make connections with friends or people that they know to give them remote assistance, and that's awesome. I mean, it's it's great to have that kind of teclo- technology in your hand now that some relative of yours across the country could actually help you if you need help. But sometimes you don't want to bother somebody or you don't want to wake them up. So yes. something like Be My Eyes is like having access to a pair of eyes anytime you need it. Yes. So oh. it's an awesome app. So uh, f- there's other apps out there as well. There's one called CrowdViz, I, I think it is. And they have remote assistance. Very, it's a similar idea to Be My Eyes, except it is a paid service. And their thing is that they actually pay the people who do the work, and they specially train them. Oh, okay. Crowdviz. So, yeah. Uh huh. So that's something to look at if uh, maybe you don't, maybe your time is limited, and and you don't want to maybe because the thing is anybody could sign up with Be My Eyes. That doesn't necessarily qualify them sometimes maybe they're they're in a different part of the world and their accent might be hard for you to understand so um number of reasons why you maybe want something a little more specialized so uh, crowdviz is something to look at if uh, if you don't mind paying a little bit uh, for the assistance that you get so 
in general, that, those are the uh, apps I look at when I want object recognition or remote visual assistance. Now, OCR, this is where uh, optical character recognition, this is where you want access to written text, be it something you got in the mail, be it a placard on the wall in front of a, uh, you're, not, you're looking for your doctor's office. They yeah. don't have braille or tactile signs on the doors, but you see a placard. Uh, I've used uh, OCR apps to help me read what's on those things. The number one app I recommend is the KNFB Reader. And that is an awesome app. It is a little pricey. It's $99. However, it does go on sale from time to time. Uh, I think last month they had it on sale briefly uh, for a weekend. Uh, for $75. And in July, the first couple of weeks of July, you have your conventions and they've been known to put it on sale during that time as well. So oh, okay. be on the lookout. Hopefully, uh, if this, uh, uh, is put up on, uh, available to people before then, uh, get out there and, and take advantage of it. Also, another little strategy that you can do to save money on some of these more expensive apps is to buy iTunes gift cards at a discount. Uh, a number of local grocery stores and even eBay sometimes will sell an iTunes gift card at, at 20, 25% off. You know, I've seen them anywhere from, from 10 to 25% off if you catch the right sale. So if you think about it, you buy a $100 gift card for anywhere from like 75 to maybe $90. So, that's another way to save money when you want to make a pricey purchase like this. You know, I got a question uh, about that. Where do you see them on sale? Is this something that they solicit you on on uh, the internet, or when you're actually at the grocery store? Well, I find out about it because I use my local grocery store's app to browse all the sales. Okay. As uh-huh. well as uh, to identify objects that has a, bar- a built-in barcode reader, which we'll get to that kind of thing in a little while. But yeah, that's, that's how I become aware of it in my local grocery store. Other places, uh, I belong to several busy mailing lists, and one of which is dedicated to the discussion of iOS devices from a blindness perspective. It's called the VI Phone Google Group. It's a very busy list, so if you think about joining it, uh, just know that. Uh, I recommend setting up an alternate account. That way it doesn't clutter up your personal or business inbox. But uh, there's over 2,000 blind people all over the world who contribute to that list. So whenever somebody comes across one of these sales, guess what they do? They go on VI phone and say, hey, iTunes gift card's on sale over here. Or, hey, uh, this app just went on sale uh, uh, for the next few days. So that's a great way to stay in the know about this stuff. Yeah, what is that that site? I'm not familiar with that. If you go to groups.google.com, Yes. And you do a search for V-I-P-H-O-N-E. Okay. Uh, that's how you find the uh, the page for that group. And you can send a request to subscribe. Give them your email address. And uh, the, once the moderator sees it and approves it, you'll start getting uh, emails from them. And then you can also ask questions or contribute to the list. Great. That's really another great piece of advice. It's amazing how you know so much. Well, that's Thank part. You. That's part of how I stay in the know is by reading that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's quite quite rewarding to do so. So yeah, getting back to to OCR, uh, the KNFB Reader is an awesome app because what separates it from other uh, lesser expensive products that are out there is that it has onboard tools 
specifically designed to help a totally blind person take a picture of written text and have the greatest chance of actually getting a decent result. Uh, it's got uh, two tools. One that's called Field of View Report, which is where you hold the, the camera above the paper, and it helps to do have some contrast. So if, if it's a white piece of paper, a dark-colored desk or table is usually good, or if you don't have access to that, some people are known to carry like a dark cloth or something like that that they can lay out anywhere. And once the camera can see that contrast, it, it can give you good information. So it'll tell you if it sees all four edges or the the upper left and right and bottom uh, edge, right edge, or something, that kind of thing. So the idea is you want it to say all four edges are visible. And it'll also tell you uh, how many degrees uh, your phone is, is, is rotated. Um, in the past, that used to matter more. So you wanted the, as low of a number as possible, close to zero, because it meant you had a dead-on shot. But generally speaking, as long as you see the four edges, you're good. So then you can just take a picture of, of it and have it read to you. At, um, it also has something called tilt guidance. So if you're not sure if you're holding the phone at an angle as opposed to straight down, this thing will vibrate as you're tilting the phone. And when you don't feel the vibration anymore, that means that you're perfectly flat aligned with the paper that you're taking the picture of. So that's the number one thing that sets it apart from all the other uh, apps that are out there that are mainstream apps that have also been modified to work very well for us which is nice, but sometimes uh, you just you need a little extra help, and this app gives it to you. This app will do things like let you batch scan, so if you have a multi-page document, you can scan all the pages and then save it all as one, so that when you go read it later, you don't have to open up uh, different documents to, to get all the contents. You just open up the one, and it puts all the pages in there for you. So it does a lot of cool stuff. It can even translate text. You can uh, you can or read text in, in different languages. Several is that other, right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's it's pretty neat. It does a lot of a lot of neat stuff. And then if you really want to get great OCR, and especially if you're going to be doing a lot of scanning, I recommend uh, one of these scanning stands that they sell nowadays, and mm. they're really uh, cheap. They're uh, they're made of like corrugated cardboard, and you set them up. And it basically takes the guesswork out of how high you're holding the phone away from the page and is it flat uh, and will you see the four edges because when you line everything up with the stand and put your phone in the right place, all that guesswork is taken out for you. And now you can just uh, snap away and take pictures. And Again, if you're doing a multi-page document, it's it's really good to have. And they even make one that has a book reading aid that's specifically designed so that you can lay it out across a book and it'll hold down the pages for you so that they don't bend and it increases the likelihood that you're going to get a good shot. So the one I recommend for that is uh, by a company called Fopido or Fopidu, however you want to pronounce it. It's F-O-P-Y-D-O dot com. That's their website, www.fopydo dot com. You want to look specifically for either the one that's called Book Reading Aid, and that one combines uh, both the stand and this Book Reading Aid that I mentioned. Or if you just want the stand itself, look for the link on there that says Scanning Stand for the Blind. Because they also make one for mobile devices, but you don't want that one. That one uh, is a lot harder to set up and work with. The Scanning Stand for the Blind was specifically made for us and made so that it's easy to assemble 
It comes with instructions, or you can actually read the instructions on the website yourself for uh, for easy assembly. So um, the combination of, of of something like KNFB Reader and one of these stands is awesome. Now let's say you think, okay, well, if I get one of these stands and it takes the guesswork out of it, and I really don't quite have the hundred bucks to spend on KNFB, what else can I use? Uh, there's two other apps out there that I was using quite a lot before KNFB came around. One of them is called Text Grabber, and the other one is called Prismo, P-R-I-Z-M-O. And they're both really good apps. And these apps originally were designed for uh, to be used in a mainstream way. They weren't designed for the blind initially. It was for just anybody who wants to take a picture of a document and, as opposed to putting it in the scanner on your computer. You can take a picture, you can uh, store it, you can send it to somebody, do whatever you want with it. But it happens that... Uh, the OCR result was usable to us, and when blind people contacted them and said, hey, can you do this and this to make the app accessible, they were very responsive, and they've done a lot to make it quite usable. Uh, Prismo particularly uh, is also good for scanning in business cards. I think that was originally what it was designed to do. So it, Prismo of the two is the one that's a little bit more complicated. It has more screens you have to jump through to, to get your OCR. Uh, Text Grabber, when you launch it, I think it has a take picture button right on the front screen there. So it's a little simpler to work with. So, and those apps, each of them cost less than $10 or right around either five to $10. It's somewhere in that range. It's been a while since I bought them. Wow, so that, that's an amazing Those price. are cheaper alternatives yes. and you can use one of these stands. By the way, the, the Fapido, the regular stand is, is $15. Okay. And the, with the stand, Plus the book reading it, I think is $35. So if, if money's tight, but you still want to get decent OCR, uh, you can use uh, Prismo or, uh, or Text Grabber along with the stand, and I think you'll be very happy with the results that you get. So uh, that's OCR uh, for taking pictures. Now, there also are a couple of apps that attempt to, on the fly, do some OCR reading. And in fact, one of them I just learned about this morning <laughs> by looking at the <laughs> Apple Vis uh-huh. website. Uh-huh. And it's called Voice Cam. And what's really neat about Voice Cam, I, I just started playing with it, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but I played with it just enough to learn uh, the basic operations before I came in here to record. Uh, what it does is it uses the camera so that in real time it's looking for text or numbers. And when you set it to do that, Anytime it sees it and you're pointing the phone at, at, at something and it's looking for it and sees it, it will it will say that it sees text and it'll say lower right or lower left. It tries to give you an idea of where it's located. And okay. if you want to hear what that text is, you, you tap the uh, read button. And at that point, it instantly reads what it sees. Oh, okay. Voice cam as yeah. a camera. Uh. Yeah. So this app, these kind of apps are good for like sort of spot reading. This is not the kind of thing you're you're going to read a, a whole letter on or or a menu or something like that with. Uh, this is just for spot reading. Again, you're in front of that doctor's office and you're not sure if it's the right office. Maybe yeah. you might use an app like this to read some or part or all of that sign to give you an idea of what you're in front of. Or how about even at the grocery store? That's where I notice, my gosh, there's all of these cans and boxes and 
for me to find out what each particular can is. It takes a while. Yeah, so this might come in handy for that. Uh, also, barcode scanning apps are good for that. And I guess we can kind of sort of slide right into that subject because it's a little related. Uh, barcode scanners are very great for finding out what, what you have in your hand. And in some cases, uh, get things like what's on the label in terms of nutritional facts or even uh, preparing instructions that the manufacturer includes that with their data. So an app that I use for barcode scanning a lot uh, that I like is called Digit Eyes, D-I-G-I-T-E-Y-E-S. It's by a company called Digital Miracles. And I believe that the full version of it sells for about $20. And I think they have other versions of it that sell for less that maybe do a few, some of the things, but not all the things. But I primarily use this for uh, for identifying a barcode. What it does is when you're pointing at, the, when it thinks it sees a barcode, it starts kind of beeping at you. So it lets mm. you know that, oh, wait, I got one in sight. And as the beeps get faster, it kind of lets you know, okay, you're you're close. You're right there. And as soon as it sees enough of it, it automatically just uh, snaps, a sh- takes a snapshot of it automatically and sends it to the database and then returns back what the result is. So that's a good app for those kinds of things, and especially at home to identify cans of soup, things like that that you may have. Now, Julian, when you are using digit eyes, okay, each box, each can, it does have a barcode, but also on the edge of the shelf, there's a, a barcode that the grocery store probably uses to order. Will it read those barcodes that are on the edge of the shelf that the grocers use, or do you have to put it on the barcode on the package? Uh, it usually the package. The barcode that's on the shelf is like an in-store thing. Okay. And a lot of times if I've tried reading those and it'll say, that, you know, I can't read this. Okay. Or, you know, the, there's no information for this code. Okay. Because it's uh-huh. an internal company thing. So sometimes it helps to use the stores app. Uh, there are certain products that don't appear in the digitized database, and it helps to have the stores app. So uh, aside from using it to browse all the things that are on sale that week, I like to use my local grocery store's barcode scanner because it not only basically ensures that I'm going to find out what that product is and I'm not going to get a thing saying that that's not in their database because, let's face it, if it doesn't doesn't scan in their database, it means I should be able to walk out of the store with it because it's it's free. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recommend that, by the way. But um, uh, you can find out uh, what the product is. And in the case of my store, if it's on sale through the club card thing, it will give me the option to load that onto my card, my loyalty card. And now I'll get a deal on it that I probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise uh, if I hadn't scanned it and and done that. Because that's how they play the games to get you to be more interactive with them. So the, the local grocery store also has an application that also includes a barcode reader? Mine does, and I think a lot of stores tend to. I know even stores like Target and Walmart, their apps have barcode readers in them. So, you know, I could say that your mileage will vary. I I, I haven't tried every single chain store out there. I only do the stores that I shop at, and all the stores that I shop at, uh, grocery stores tend to have the barcode reader in them. So is there... A big difference between digit eyes and the the store uh, barcode reader. In other words, would a person have to buy the digit eyes also? There are times that uh, it's helpful to have. Okay. 
I think it's helpful to have. Another thing you can do with Digitize is you can actually print labels from their website that you can stick to things and also uh, uh, name them. Oh, for around the house then, huh? Yeah. Or it, I, I heard of somebody doing this when they moved, and it was really cool because you know how when you're moving, you write on the box what something is? Yes. Or you hope that you remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with this, you stick one of these labels on the box and scan it in, and you could either type in or record a voice tag. Okay. So that when you get to your new place and you're scanning the boxes, you see, okay, that one goes in the kitchen. All right, that, that one goes in the bedroom. Oh, that's great. So, you know, that gets to another question I have about the digit eyes or any of the barcode scanners. Do they also work on audio CDs? Because I have so many CDs from the days that I had vision. And now... It's hard for me to identify them. Yeah, I've been able to read CDs and even books. You know, wow. books have barcodes yeah. on them. And so it'll identify some books as well. Oh, so if you're at the bookstore, oh, you that's can great. see what's in this. So it's, it's really neat. It's, it, I think it's a neat app to have. It's, it just, you can't go wrong. It's, it's one of those tools that uh, makes life a little easier. Yeah, I think my wife would love for me to invest twenty dollars in Digitize, so I don't have to ask her. Hey, can you find this CD for me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great. So, yeah, I mean, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else in this category. Well, you really have but covered. Those, those are the ones that I, I use. Um, let me think of app, other apps I use. I mean, communication. Uh, the the built-in email app is really good. I. I I like how it works. It's my favorite way to, to read email because I can I can process a lot of emails quickly. Well, tell us what, what you're talking about, the email app. The built-in mail app in the iPhone. You can give it your credentials to your email account, mm -hmm. and now you can use your iPhone to read email. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. And because of the voiceover gestures that, that are implemented with it, it's really easy to, to, to take, a, you know, like I mentioned, I belong to these mailing lists. So I get hundreds of emails a day that I process. And obviously some things are going to be on subjects that I, I'm not interested in. So it's it's very easy to just delete a whole thread of messages dedicated to a subject I'm not interested in as opposed to having to delete one by one by one by one. Oh, and on the okay, computer, yeah. you got to do these, these keyboard commands, these JAWS commands to, to make it happen. On the iPhone, you're just swiping, flicking, tapping, and I can get through 100 email in a matter of minutes. Oh, that's great. And sort of, you know, triage and yes. keep the ones that I want to read and then more slowly, you know, go through them and, and read them. So I, I love the app for that. The uh, the text messaging app in the iPhone is very works very nicely as well. Uh, it's all, you know, because it's from Apple, it's all voiceover accessible. Now, if you want to look at what are known as over-the-top apps, uh, these are these apps that allow you to communicate with people directly, uh, not utilizing the cell phone's traditional messaging uh, uh, channels. Uh, one very popular app is called WhatsApp, and that one's used worldwide. And that one lets you, you can you can send texts to people through it, but you can also send voice clips. You can record yourself talking to them, and it sends to them, and then they play it, and they can talk right back to you. So it's like a walkie-talkie style uh, communication. Oh, how but, do you spell that? W-H-A-T-S-A-P-P. -P. Okay. Uh -huh. WhatsApp. And it's free. 
Uh, it used to actually be free for the first year. Then they used to charge you a buck for every year afterward. And now it's free. Uh, Facebook owns it now. They, they paid something like $19 billion for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so they're all about uh, communication. So they bought this app, and um, it works quite nicely. I use it all the time. There's a new one that came out not that long ago. It's called Roger. And I learned about it through Apple Vis as well. And it's a more simplified communication app. It, it's primarily using voice, like the walkie-talkie style thing. But what I really like about Roger is that it's they don't compress the audio. It's really full, crisp, clear. It almost sounds like the person's right there in front of you talking. So it's a really neat app, and you can use it to talk to other friends of yours, or you can join groups and oh, communicate okay. with people that uh-huh. way. So those are uh, some of the uh, over-the-top communications apps that, that I like and use on a regular basis. Yeah, I've never heard of these communication apps. Yeah, so it's it should try them out. They're a lot of fun. And also, oh, with WhatsApp, you can also make, Something you can also make what's what's uh, more like a traditional phone call to a contact. So let's say you know somebody in Australia, and they're a WhatsApp user. You can through the app, as long as you both have a good internet connection, because again, it's going over the top. It's not using your cellular's network, your provider's network. It's using the internet that you're connected to. So you can make a WhatsApp call to that contact. And hold the phone up to your ear, talk as if you were having a full duplex regular phone call, but it's not costing either of you anything. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff with the uh, communication apps. Uh, let's see, social networking, if we're talking communication. Uh, Facebook is, is quite accessible. Uh, they've uh, they've really made an effort over the years to, to make their app work very nicely with voiceover the and their other product too the facebook messenger that uh, is another one of these over-the-top kind of apps that also lets you make a phone call directly from one to the other using the internet Uh, that's all voiceover accessible so uh, a lot of good communication stuff that you can do so um i should have added this in the beginning since we were talking travel but i totally forgot about the ride sharing apps (laughs) Oh, okay. We should Uh mention those. Uber and Lyft. Wonderful apps. Both work great with voiceover. They, uh, they have shown a willingness to work with the blind community and make it so that we can use their apps and their services. And they're also very quick to respond if you have issues. So I use them quite a lot. And I love them. They, they work great. It's, it's, it's great to have that option if you need to get from point A to point B and you're in a hurry and uh, you didn't make access an uh, appointment the night before and you, the bus will take too long or yeah. you don't feel like dealing with the stress and anxiety of the bus because sometimes that is an issue uh, for some. Uh, it's really neat to have a car service at your beck and call that uh, – is in the 21st century, so you don't have to actually pick up the phone and call and be put on hold and talk to a cranky person and order a cab and then sit there and wait when they told you it was going to be there in 10 minutes and 20 minutes later you call back and they tell you, yeah, we still haven't assigned your call. Uh, or or yeah, that's if they're honest. Usually a lot of times they'll say, oh, yeah, another, give them another 10 minutes, they'll be there. 
<laughs> and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. With these apps, it literally shows you, you can tap a certain part of the screen and you can in real time see the ETA of that vehicle to you. So I love it a lot. Uh, and both of them here in the Los Angeles area anyway, and in some other uh, cities as well, offer what's called a pool or a ride, sh- uh, a, uh, like a, a share ride type service where they can pick up other people along the way in exchange for giving you an even lower price on the ride. Oh, okay. And what I like about that, too, is that it's a fixed price. So if they tell you that it's $10, it really will be $10, regardless of if it's a lot of traffic or anything like that, where when you're using the traditional uh, UberX or, or regular Lyft uh, type of service, they'll give you an estimate, but they'll tell you that prices can vary due to time and traffic. So with with the uh, with Uber Pool or Lyft Line as they're respectively known as, uh, it's a you know you you agree that they can pick up other people along the way. And by the way, their routing makes a lot of sense. If you're a paratransit user and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't think I want that, because <laughs> paratransit sends me uh, ten miles out of the way sometimes to get me somewhere. Yeah, uh, it's not like that. This is okay. efficient. <laughs> oh, that's... Remember, it's private sector. So it, uh, efficiency, inefficiency is not rewarded here. It's, uh, it works very nicely. The, the, the rides that I've had, uh, pickups have been really along the way. Uh, they haven't taken me <laughs> out of the way very much, uh, to, to get there. And now Uber just added a thing where it'll give you your estimated time of arrival on an Uber pool. They'll say you'll arrive by this time or earlier. So it means that, uh, they will do their best to get you there at that time. So, it, you know, that, that way you have a little bit more certainty. You know, for example, if you're going to the airport and you're trying to get there by a certain time and you're trying to decide, gee, do I take uh, the regular one, which I know may cost me more, or do I want to save some money and take the Uber pool? Well, it's nice to know that it'll show you before you, before you confirm that you want that trip, it'll show you what time you're supposed to, you should expect to be there by or before. Gosh, that's so helpful. That's really great. So, yeah, uh, those, those to me have been really big game changers, uh, in terms of how I get around every day. And even when I travel to new places that I've never been to before, it's neat to know that in a lot of cases, one of those services will be there and a ride is just a few minutes away and a few taps away on the screen. Yes. Yes. So, uh, let's see what else. Entertainment. Uh, there's uh, apps like YouTube are very accessible, um, quite usable. Uh, Netflix also quite usable. Uh, Is that right? So yeah. you you watch Netflix and things like that on your iPhone. You can. Uh, my preferred method of watching Netflix is actually on the Apple TV. But hey, you know, if I'm out and about and I am bored and I have nothing else to do and I've read through my hundreds of emails, <laughs> uh, it's nice to know that yes, I can bring up Netflix and look for something and watch it. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah, so you can watch all that stuff. Um, radio, there's radio apps out there that are really good. Uh, you know, uh, Spotify, Pandora, those kinds of apps are fun to play with. Uh, an app that I really like a lot if you're a radio listener is called Utunes. It's O-O-T-U-N-E-S. It costs $5, but what I like about Utunes 
is aside from having access to all these stations on the internet and all over the world, here in the U.S. it has both the iHeart Media stations as well as the CBS stations. So you don't, the iHeart Media can sometimes be a pain to navigate because uh, it's they've got a lot of stuff going on in that app, okay. and sometimes accessibility gets broken. This Utoons interface is very simple. It was actually written, I think, for blind people. So everything's properly labeled. Everything's just a simplified interface. You could look for, search for stations, and you can select them as favorites so that that puts them in a list. And that way, when you want to switch between your favorites, you don't have to go searching for them all over again. Really, really awesome app. So that's... um... Oh, uh, if you like reading, uh, the the Bard app, NLS Bard app, uh, is very nice. If you're signed up as a patron to the Library of Congress or Library for the Blind, that app works quite nicely. Um, If you read Bookshare, there's an app called uh, Voice Dream Reader, which is really nice, Uh, quite accessible because it's made specifically for us. Uh, The... the, uh, iBooks app is accessible. Uh, some of the other apps as well, uh, I'm, I'm told, are accessible. I, I haven't really uh, used them very much, but they are options out there, so you can entertain yourself that way. And uh, if you like to cook, I'm told there are a lot of recipe apps out there. Oh, uh, yes. Uh-huh. I don't do a whole lot of that, so and uh, yeah. <laughs> So I don't play with those apps, but uh, well, one one really neat uh, tip I've picked up along the way, though, that I'll pass along, is if you like to, if you do plan to use your iPhone in the kitchen, especially while baking and things like that, and you're worried about, oh well, uh, I don't want to get my screen dirty because I'm touching things. Uh, one good thing to do is put your iPhone inside a sandwich Ziploc bag. Oh, yeah. And that way it'll still read your your swipes and taps through the screen, but you don't get the screen dirty. Ah, that's a great idea. Well, these are some really wonderful ideas so that anybody who has just purchased an iPhone will have really a good idea of what are some of those applications that he or she should investigate. And if anybody has questions about these apps... Uh, and want to get in touch with you, Julian. How can they get in touch with you? I'll give that in a second. One other thing I wanted to mention is games. There's a lot of games out there. Oh, I myself, uh-huh. I'm not a game player, uh-huh. but if you go to applevis.com, uh, you can look up uh, games that are fully accessible. I know people who play them all the time. They they like Trivia Crack, uh, Dice World, or some of the, those are some of the popular ones. That I, I occasionally I see a lot of that stuff on the list, but since I'm not a game player i'm just not uh i just don't follow it very much but uh there there are a lot of accessible games out there that you can play on your phone as well so to uh to get to your uh question about my contact info uh i can be reached by phone at area code 818-794-9554 or via my website if you want to email me if you go to www.tech jv.com that's www.tech j as in julian v as in vargas.com uh, you can uh, email me from there or listen to some uh, to these podcasts as well as some other stuff that i occasionally might put up there yes now this information is great all the information you have is so helpful to everyone here in the community and i hope that all of you listeners find this information on these podcasts to be very very helpful 
So until next time, we hope that you'll stay tuned for our next podcast on all about smartphones. For Airs LA, this is Dr. Bill Takeshita.